USA, USA, USA. <laughs> Is that time oh, of year? Apparently Saudi Arabia, they beat Argentina. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> well, it's already on the internet everywhere. That's I got my I got my USA. It's a women's jersey, but uh yeah. um still out there supporting the USA. We got the World Cup going on. Hey, and we got Kim. Look at that. You know, you find me. I had it at 11:45. I just didn't want Doug to be the only one who was late to this one time. <laughs> no, hey, one I time uh, we should, one time we should all be late. That would be honest. Give really it good for oh, crystal sweat like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, well, I'd have to talk more. That would be the end of the world for me. So, Welcome, Chris, everyone. I, I did want to tell you I did watch my first soccer game ever. Yesterday. I could tell you texted me during it, and you asked questions that suggested you had not been watching many before then. <laughs> uh, I had no. It was it was fascinating with the o one zero for like an hour and a half. So, yep, yep, yep. So you were um, drinking during it, Travis. Oh man, it, I, it was the struggle was real. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so you don't you don't yet understand why they call it the beautiful game. That's okay. That's okay. We'll I, talk I need about a real it. big education, like a lot of things, like federal like federal grants for broadband, broadband mapping, and the World Cup all fall in the same category. I have, don't understand them. Hey, yes. hey, hey, Travis, I wanted to know. Do you know who's going to apply for the bead money? I was just going to ask really quick. I have no idea. My, my well, theory we'll right now. Ninety-nine point eight percent will go to the incumbents, which will be distributed to their shareholders. That's my theory. We will be talking about that in a little bit. Uh, I'm Chris Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I am pleased to be joined by our regular crew of Doug Dawson from CCG. Welcome. I still don't quite get it. It's the beautiful game, but I like it. So, yeah. Yeah, we got Kim McKinley from uh, the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, but we should come up with a funnier word, like three letters or like, explanation like for that. Some kind of uh, like nicknames. Wasn't I broadband, broadband face or something? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. We could go back to that. I, you know, I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to say where, where are you today? I'm in my office today. Okay. I don't remember seeing this view of it before. Oh, I, I switched my, um, I switched my office around you. You know, when you're in your office so much, you just have to rearrange it sometimes to make sure you. So, like every sixth time you're in your office, you rearrange it, probably yeah. then. We got Travis Carter from USI Fiber. Welcome. Mr. Mitchell. Hello, guys. Uh, Kim, nice glasses today. I see the red ones came um, out of the show. Are they in celebration of USA, USA, USA? No, they were a request. They were a request. She for, got a fan yeah. request. We have, we have one fan, guys. <laughs> the fan asked. <laughs> Excellent. I had to remember, see, but Chris told me that we could not take any more fan requests going forward because he doesn't want to be kicked off his own show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We we can't we can't let them think they have too much power over us. So you guys were in person, huh? How was the show? It was good. Yeah, we were at the digital infrastructure investment uh, event that uh, Drew Clark and Broadband Breakfast organized, and it is not available online. I don't think unless you. Uh, become a member, I think, over time. Um, and it was good. I, I thought it was uh, a lot of interesting conversations, some good folks there that Kim and I were able to hang out with. So I was I was just excited. Heather Gold was there, a friend of the show. Uh, so a lot of good folks were there, and it was a good time. Kind of intimate. Nice. It was like fewer than 100, right, Kim? Yeah, it was a really good show. I think uh, the chairs um, were a little hard, so they kept yeah. us awake. Um, the fact that people were still there in the afternoon with the worst chairs ever invented and a little uncomfortable in the butt. Um, 
Yeah. And if you know Kim and Heather, there was a few inappropriate comments that were made along the way, <laughs> which is one good reason to go to these events when Kim and Heather are going to be there. They, they, they told us we couldn't sit next to each other. Like that. They, told us, no, no, they no, separated no. you, huh? And I, I like it. So uh, there was something that I wanted to bring up that um, it was, uh, we got a bunch of topics to talk about today. Um, we got Mike Dunn with FiberRise will be on in a little while. FiberRise is a company focused on fiber optics, building it out to folks. Uh, they are doing interesting partnerships in multiple states, and they are planning to go after uh, this money that the states will be distributing from the bead program, ultimately, is, is my understanding. In the meantime, they're doing a lot of work to figure out how to make these programs work for their business model. And uh, I think Mike and I met at uh, Nashville in Nashville for Fiber Connect, maybe. And but it was sometime recently. And I was impressed with uh, with uh, talking with him about it. And um, and so I thought he might be a good guest to answer Travis's perennial question, who's going to go after this money? So we'll be talking about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the FCC map, the broadband labels, uh, and then a couple of other things, including uh, an interesting article, uh, the coming end of the fiber boom, and it has to do with interest rates. So I had to include that because Travis loves talking about how this money stuff actually matters to some people somewhere. Um, but I wanted to start off with something that uh, really annoyed me and uh, just get the show started right. Um um, Kara Swisher, who I listened to her multiple shows, uh, podcast. I think she does terrific interviews. Uh, she had on uh, this guy, Dr. Doom, Nuriel Rubini, who is uh, um, a st statistician and economist uh, and uh, has made a name for himself of predicting downturns in the economy previously. And, and the kind of person that you should listen to, even if you don't necessarily agree. Anyway, he talked about how 5G is so important. It's going to be in all the toasters coming up. And Kara was just nodding along and saying yes. And it just pisses me off, frankly, that I, I feel like people like them want to talk about this stuff with zero understanding of what they're talking about. Kara Swisher should know better. She should have people on that educate her about this stuff. And it's freaking ridiculous to think that toasters are going to have a 5G chip in them. Am I right or wrong? You're completely right. They're going to have a Wi-Fi chip in them. Why yeah, they that's what I'm saying. Can you imagine having to buy a subscription to use your toaster? Yeah, like who would do that? Verizon, Verizon and AT&T would gladly sell you a $5 a month subscription for that. Why would you? Right. No, and that's exactly 5G's the point. 5G not going to be in anything. Yeah. People I had will a... not pay for what they can get from their Wi-Fi. No one in their right mind would pay for Six years ago, I had this knockdown, drag out telephone conversation with this very nice woman who was very concerned that radiation was poisoning all of us and about the electronic waste that would be caused that we all had to throw our TVs away around the time that we're living in right now because we'd all have to get TVs that have 5G in them. And I was telling her, no, that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. And she just assumed that I was an idiot. So, so I have a question for you, Mr. Christopher Mitchell. Why are you so upset about this absurdity? Because like people turn to Kara Swisher for like good analysis and discussions about this space in tech. And the fact that she just has no sense of the role that 5G plays and like her and, and um, um, what's the other guy, the guy, um, Scott now, um, what's his name? Um, you know, I even enjoy him. Um, they're on pivot together. Um, oh, no one here listens to enough podcasts if you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, anyway, they are people that everyone listens to. Um, Scott Galloway, Scott, Professor Scott Galloway, constantly talking about this stuff as though 5G is taking over the world. It's the most important stuff. And it's not. 5G is cool. It's going to make a difference. But fiber and Wi-Fi are what's going to be connecting most stuff. 
in the near future. And the fact that nobody understands that suggests they don't have any sense of where this is going. So well, here's something interesting fact for your next time, because big cable companies are now struggling to find a business case for 5G now, six years into it. They're find, trying to find a way that people actually pay them to use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because no, no one's paying them for this stuff. We you, don't pay any, out, you don't pay any extra to get any of this it's stuff. It's for the so toaster. This is, this is what they well, did. They, they paid somebody to do a product placement on that podcast for the toaster. Yes. Well, that was, that was Verizon's original image that every house would have a $10 subscription for their house and a $10 subscription for their car. So they'd get 20 bucks a month out of every household. They haven't sold any of those. So Never made any crazy, sense. Crazy. Why no, would regulators approve a vehicle that required a 5G subscription? What happens when you run out of range? Has anyone not used these networks and noticed that they're not right. the most reliable things well, in the world? Even if you're in the city, what happens if the network is down? Do you come to a yeah. screeching halt? Yeah, that's what I've always wondered. Like, like the, the 5G was always going to be an add-on. I mean, we're seeing a similar thing with like uh, the voice assistants, right? Alexa's unit, $10, million, $10 billion now, I think, something like that lost. And and there's a sense that like, yeah, like people thought it would be a good idea. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it doesn't mean there's a business model there. And and I and I got a big laugh the last time I was talking about how uh, next year I plan on just driving or not even driving. I'm going to be in cars running around the city while robotic surgeons fix me up uh, in autonomous vehicles. Like I'm excited for that future. It's ridiculous. I'm excited to watch you get an operation. This is great. Yeah, we'll stream it live. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kim, it's a good question. Maybe I should just chill out. But it's upsetting to me, and it's indicative of how little respect we get, right? I mean, in this field, like it's just not even worth knowing how broadband works or things. It does like that. show you what all the advertising on five G has done. They've they've convinced the world of this nonsense, right? Yeah, and <clears throat> yes, three three G is all being turned down, so everyone's losing their OnStar. Yep. <clears throat> so we have a map. Uh, from the FCC, it dropped on Friday, and I, I, I don't. We'll talk about a bunch of it. I got a little graphic here that Ryle pop up, and when we get to it, but I just have to say, like, I feel like it happened exactly the way I thought it would, uh, and I think probably y'all too. Kim, any surprises? Are you just taking credit that you might be right? And first of all, did Travis leave because the maps came out before yes. twenty nine, so he had to be proven wrong? I don't know if we call these maps out, but uh, no, I think I think Travis is probably picking up a magic wand or something. I don't think anything surprised me about these maps. It's it's very interesting to look at the maps and see all of what's happening. Who's served? Who's not served? I looked at my everyone served. Yeah, sorry, I at my location. I have ten service providers. I have three can offer gigs to my house alone. It's hmm. interesting, but it is interesting. I thought this was interesting. It's like if you go to, say, Google Fiber, it's under Alphabet, and then you have to click down to Google Fiber. And Yeah, what's even worse if you're USI or yeah. Utopia or yeah. Sonic. All the good companies are laid in the Alphabet. Yeah. And <laughs> Comcast and Charter are right up there at the top. Well, you don't even know what they, they sound or like what their parent company is. Because what is it Starlink or Star something holdings for Starlink? It's yeah. You don't even know who you're looking at if you don't dig deeper into it. But it is it is quite interesting to see that yeah, everybody's served. Nobody needs broadband. That is what we mm-hmm. officially figured out today. Right. So I you know, I guess we can probably disband this podcast because it's kind of I think over. Travis wanted to do that. Travis? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I had to step away. My five G coffee machine just arrived. So <laughs> yeah. pretty excited about it. So you know, yeah, no, it's going to be terrific. There is no toasters, but everything else 
and and it's five dollars a month to run my new coffee machine so hopefully it'll be worth it uh it's worth oh, it man. yeah i sent chris the fcc map and it was all blue and i said what are we talking about here apparently this is solved i don't know if it was a demo if it was a republican administration you think the map would be all red to show that everyone was served <laughs> wow uh, yes yes chris yes that's 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 yeah. what you're gonna, yeah. well, we, <laughs> We might as well bring our guest on now. We've kind of exhausted this time. Yeah. Oh no, we haven't. So let's let's pop this up, right? So like, this is the issue, right? When I Kim, when I say yes, I'm taking credit. Um. So this is my home. Um. This here is, uh, what we're seeing. Um. I can get. Um. If you look on the right, uh, this is a slide I just put together for uh, an event. But if you look on the right, um, the FCC is telling me I can get Nextera Holdings LLC, and I don't know why it's listed twice, but. Nextera in two different rows tells me I can get a thousand megabits symmetrical of their unlicensed fixed wireless. So I was like, cool, I will try this. I would pay a few hundred bucks just to demo it for a few weeks to see how it's going. And so I looked at their website and I poked around and this is how bad it was. Travis couldn't even find this pricing, but I found their pricing after going through, like, give me a quote. And it's a little bit different what they're telling me on their website than what they told the FCC. Uh, you'll look there that like the good deal, if you're looking for that, that beefy three megabit a second uh, symmetrical connection, if you commit to a three-year term with them, it's only $125 a month. Um, you know, it's it's 666 times off what they said it would be. Is that right? Yeah. No, I got that wrong. I can't even do math now. Um, it's uh, it's um, it's a fraction of of what they said it would be 333 times off of um, of how fast they said it would be. But, you know, it's a nice hundred twenty five thousand a month. So I could pay a lot more and get a lot less. Uh, so this is exactly what we expected. The FCC says, hey, give us your fake data and we're going to be cool with it. We're not going to penalize you. And so companies gave them their fake data. Are we gonna, I'm going to do a challenge. Does anyone want to bet how long it takes for this to come down if it ever comes down? Well, you can't challenge this yet. You can't challenge whether they're there. That's next year. You can only challenge the fabric right now. So is that, I was looking through it. I didn't do enough. So you can't even, you can't even challenge this fake data right now. Not yet. That's next year's challenge. Only location data right now. Only yes, location we, data. We have had Great. in the past four days since he's been out, we've had four challenges of our data and they, they've come here internally at Team Utopia. Um, one person uh, tried to sign up five years ago and we've built out his neighborhood since then. And now he could get service, but he challenged it because he didn't know that um, for when he signed up or tried. <laughs> So we're seeing them come in. I mean, we're seeing challenge data come in from our, our viewpoint as well already. I don't know if uh, you have- And you're responding to it already. Yeah, we're responding to it immediately. Did you, well, did you respond by giving him a phone call to be like, hey, dude, like literally I'll sign you up right now. We're working on that. We're working to make sure we have the contact information. But yeah, no, we're going to do that. But I didn't know, because as a small organization, we've had four, but how is Comcast handling these? Are they responding to every single one of them that are coming in? Well, let me modify when I said you can't challenge that yet. The FCC is just forwarding them on. The FCC is not going to look at those at all. The FCC okay. is only looking at the fabric challenges. They will forward those on to ISPs. The ISPs are not re required to respond at this point. No, what I want to do is I the official actually... challenge starts next year where you can actually really make a change as a residence. So, what I would like to do is to yeah. you know do some local organizing and just call them every day to try and sign up for it. You know, just like just flood their lines and like get my neighbors to all flood their lines constantly and be like, we're ready for the gig. We're ready for the gig until they take it down. 
Yeah. I think you need more of a life, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris is a little angry today, right? So, yeah. You said I you would, went I would guess, Travis. Chris, that they have, <laughs> my guess is they have your entire county claim as Gigabit, too, not just your name. No, there's a few spaces. Um, a few? You know, um, yeah. yeah, there's a few. Like, they have circles on the map that they're very nice, perfectly circular circles. Travis and I were, were enjoying them. Well, that that's how radial propagates perfectly in a circle. Yes, circle. Mm -hmm. Yes, always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doug, do you have any idea when in 2023 we're expected that the FCC will be seriously trying to evaluate? Um, they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't said yet, but there will become a, this is sort of a practice. They're testing the platform. So, so but there, but there will come a time when that's a serious thing and you have to, there will be mandated responses and blah, 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 but they, they haven't defined that yet. So. So am I overreacting? I mean, like, should we have had lower expectations well, no. for the FCC data? You're not overacting at all because we all said this a year and a half ago. They have, there's still no rules about reporting any speed you want. There's no penalty for this company for say they have gigabit there. There's no penalty at all. Exactly. So why would they not do it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I think they read, I heard somewhere that <clears throat> you put any penalties on people who are falsifying the data that you're going to see this happen over and over again. So why did we think it would be different this time? Yeah, I didn't. Now, I will say that some of the ISPs cleaned up their act. I was looking at CenturyLink stuff, and one of my clients, that before this mapping, they had claimed 25.3 in the whole rural area. Now they claimed 0.2 megabytes per second. So they got honest. So this mapping around, some of the ISPs got honest. And yeah. Before, the CenturyLink data was making it hard to get grants there, and now it's pretty easy, so. Yeah. The um, the question here from Stephanie Jane Edwards is um, uh, the 13th is the deadline for the fabric challenges in order to yes. affect the beat allocations. So January 13th, if you want, this is where, you know, if you're in a rural area, you get it better be better be sure that we have uh, good data on uh, the available areas. So um, if we look, we looked at Minneapolis over the weekend uh, while I was at this event, and uh, it looked to me like Minneapolis was like at least um, the Cedar Riverside area and um, the um, uh, Seward neighborhoods. Um, it looked like, you know, it, it had Travis's data up there. You know, it looked like it was pretty accurate, except for this next Terra crap. Um, and uh, they um, then we looked at some rural areas and they were just missing a bunch of places. Um, missing a bunch know. of places. That's what I'm seeing in rural areas. Yeah. Yep. And that's what matters for the beads. So. Yeah. I mean, frankly, like that's the hard part, right? I mean, um, cost quest is trying to do something too fast. Uh, they have too, they were given too little time to do it. it. The FCC had no idea. There's no way the FCC could have known before 2022 that it would be important to map this data ever. So, so they rushed this contract through with cost quest cost quest is doing the best they can. At the end of the day, like they're gonna make out as like bandits, regardless of how well they do, and it doesn't really matter that much. Um, uh, the whole public's gonna be trying to correct the data set. Here's my cynicism: the worse they do, the more they'll make. I think that's accurate. <laughs> and this is where I mean, I'll just say that like, I feel like the message that we're trying to get out there is that we need uh, local uh, governments to start. Uh, trying to collect this data somewhat, but really states need to get serious about this. States cannot count on the federal government to get this right. If states care about making sure everyone has high quality access, they need to hire a GIS person 
or people. They need to, you know, they need to be mapping this. They need to be tracking it on their own. And I did an interview with uh, Dr. Tamara Holmes, who is running the the beloved uh, program in Virginia that is doing a good job. And we talked about this. It's going to come out on Tuesday on the Community Broadband Bits feed. Uh, so I would check that out for her recommendations on how to how states should do this. But states need to take it seriously. Well, there's a much bigger issue, Chris. I I work with a lot of rural counties, and about a third of the ones that I work with don't even have GIS. Not everybody mm -hmm. has it. How are you going to challenge this map when you don't even know where your places are? Or, or some of them have a very high-level GIS where it's, years ago they plotted the, the, the plots of the land, but they don't have the houses located on them. So those folks can't challenge these maps. They don't have the slightest idea where anybody is. Well, that's so, where they need to, they need to so develop where did, local. So where did CostQuest get the data for those counties? I mean, those counties don't even have their own data. So. Well, they, they would have combined uh, as best they can. Satellite maps, um, tax yeah. records, anything. Like a lot of cases, they didn't have it. And um, Yeah, because we know you can certainly see every house that's underneath of a big tree, right? Well, they have on the order of, <laughs> I mean, obviously it has to be a small house under a very large tree, but um, they have. Uh, oh, you've never been in Appalachia. <laughs> 50 trees. Yes. So. Well, you didn't pluralize it. So, okay. um, but the, uh, I mean, the cost quest, uh, guy, Jim Stegman, uh, you know, he's been at multiple events I've been at and he's under fire and I, oh, yeah. you know, I'm frustrated in that. I don't think that the, uh, the way the FCC has worked with them, you know, is, uh, is good for public policy. Uh, I don't blame him for that. And he's under a lot of fire, but like they're doing the best they can with a very tall task. They have like on the order of 20 different sources of information that they consult for this apparently. Um, but this is the sort of thing that should have been done previously and it should be federated in the sense that ultimately we should be pushing it down through the states, through the counties and down. We should be having broadband action teams at the local level where they care about this, who are checking the data and right. they're the ones with the local knowledge. They should be checking the data and there should be a system. This is why you don't wait till the last second to do your homework, right? I mean, like some of us went through school, like, you know, like. But those folks aren't really allowed to use the data properly. They can look at the map, but they can't really do anything with it. So they yeah, don't have license. Yeah. Well, the broadband, exactly. broadband committee has no power here. So go ahead, Kim. But it's, I think it's really cute, uh, Chris, that you think that if this goes down to the cities and the communities and all these very well-intended broadband folks, that this would change the outcome or it wouldn't be politicized in a different way and there wouldn't be lobbying. I, I think that you're going to have this no matter who is really administering the map creations. Maybe some of us just believe more in the good old red, white, and blue. Oh, you're pivoting to be so positive now. I get <laughs> no, no, I, uh, no, I think Kim, you're making a really good point. My, my, the way I think about things is I'm, I want to think about like when I try to do something, I figure I'm going to fail, right? Not that I'm going to miss the target by 100%, but if I'm going to miss it by 20% or 10%, if I'm going to be honest, where do I want to miss? And then how do we want to miss? And I think we should set things up so that when they fail, that uh, they fail in a way that we can deal with. And I think if these maps were failing based on communities that didn't participate and didn't get active, that is a reasonable way to go about it. So that when they complain, we say, we had a process, you didn't partake in it. And, and now there's steps where you can join it and we can figure out how to make it work. But like, it's open to you as opposed to failing the way the Federal Communications Commission has failed year after year, which is we're going to try something stupid. And when it doesn't work, nah, too bad for everyone. It doesn't work out well. You do realize these counties have no idea this challenge is going on. 
Well, that's not. I think in Washington they do, and in Oregon they do, because we have local efforts, right? And I mean, yes. like you know, so we. I, I was just working with folks in very rural counties in in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi over the past uh, over the weekend uh, in um, in Birmingham. We all came together in Birmingham, and some of them were county commissioners, and they're out there learning about this because they recognize that it's important, and they're going to go back and educate others. And it's a process that will be worked through. But yeah, no, there's there's what three thousand counties across the U.S. more or less, and probably two thirds of them are not yet uh, aware of right. what this process all means. And that's a failure of philanthropy. It's a failure of government. It's a failure on a lot of levels. So, I mean, I think we beat it to death. Are there any last comments? I'm just I'm just surprised there's actually a map. So, we'll just leave it at that. You know, but. Is there? I mean, like it's it's the same data as before. It's just that like we have a different way of getting to the same wrong information, right? Like, I mean, are we supposed to be enthusiastic about this? Uh, Doug doesn't know, right? Doug, you said you don't even know how to use this data yet. We can't <clears throat> we can't use it in the same traditional way because the data sets are so much larger that it's going to take some amazing computing power just to process these things. Yeah. So. So right now they're not very easily usable. We'll all figure that out. But yes. Nothing yeah. a few hundred million more can't solve. I mean, True. seriously, come on. <laughs> the FCC needs to buy me, needs to buy me a commercial. I like when Chris is so surprised. Yes. So, <clears throat> and apparently Minnesota, I can only speak for Minnesota, has had a map forever. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how they've been funding their program. Well, they have a they have a map that's more or less the same as the, the FCC data. It's not, no, it's not it's great. It's tweaked a little here and there. It's well, better. I mean, it's well, yeah, better than more or less. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, map. <laughs> I, I guess I, I just feel like there's broadband everywhere. Just look at the map. Doug, you gonna take him up on his offer? His <laughs> offer? <laughs> yeah, um, Ruben has a Mac Mini that they're not using. Ah. <laughs> I don't. Think I um. So. I mean, uh, this is something where I'm gonna be talking with Christine and our team uh, more about <laughs> it, and I'll be um. We'll we'll be talking about this again in uh, coming days on the community broadband bits feed, or maybe again here, but. Um, you know, this is, I think this is where we thought we would be and, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see where it goes, how we can correct this data. But I would guess that in January or February, I'm still going to be able to get unlicensed gigabit fixed wireless to my house. And probably people will be annoyed at me on Twitter. If it's still around for casting doubt on the ability of fixed wireless to give me a gigabit in my house, even as I can't get it. Go ahead, Kim. I was just going to say, but they are pretty, they are pretty maps. We They're have pretty. that. So, I mean, from a marketing person, you really have to look at the aesthetics of the uh, maps and uh, and the usability. The site hasn't gone down. You have to look at the positives. Yeah, no, that it's is good. Is. That's a good point. I also, I th it's I not a joke. Very impressed that Kim has ten choices of ISP around. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. How many ISP choices do you? Well, no, those. So let's be clear. Kim has ten network choices. She has uh, ISP choices from more than thirty, right? Because I do not because I she's not on. You're not on Utopia. Oh, <laughs> killing me. That's right. How, I forgot. how many water choices and power choices do you have at your house? You know, I've never checked, but thanks for asking. I, I, I was hoping there would be a map for that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the map? Oh, no, no, no. There's only one. So, so let's go through a quick topic and then we're going to bring Mike out. Uh, the quick topic is cable one email. Uh, I was wanting to talk about this before we uh, got this uh, leaked email, um, accidentally sent it, um, uh, cable executive sent it out to, um, uh, to John Chambers, and uh, then uh, we helped to get uh, shed some light on it. The uh, cable company uh, that is squashing uh, the opportunity for East Carroll Parish in 
Louisiana to get this better connection, which is appealing it in court. A cable company that can barely keep this network up from what we can tell over the course of a week. Um, they are saying, no, 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 we've already provided the service in all these areas. And then they have an internal email in which they say that basically the number one issue that they um, face as a company, like the most important issue they're dealing with right now is challenging municipal overbuilds in uh, preventing them from getting funding, which is a, it's a remarkable statement. Wow. That's, that's telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is the same company I, I, I was complaining about before. They're the ones that took the stake in um, in um, what is that company? Zipply. They took a like a multi million dollar stake in Zipply um, when they should be improving their networks to make sure it works for longer than a few days at a time. Instead, they're buying they're buying share they're buying like you know ownership in networks that actually do work. That's remarkable. Well, that'll allow them to shed their own networks and then get a share of Zipley's profits, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if you're, um, Kim, did you have any reaction to this? I mean, like um, you're looking at it from AAPB, like, yeah, that's what we know is happening. No, I mean, you know, this is happening. We know it's, they're being attacked. Municipal broadband is a very big threat to status quo. And it's not municipal broadband because connection has a model in which the community owns it. And then they use, connection as the I like the operator on it but it's it, this doesn't surprise anyone we knew these conversations were happening it was just because somebody typed in the wrong thing in which I have never done Chris in which I accidentally <laughs> sent Chris a weird email, a text message the other day um I've never uh, we said weird you questioned if we were friends <laughs> to be <laughs> I, yeah, I sent that same one. <laughs> <laughs> Did she ask you if you and I were friends? No, I asked you, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, okay, to be fair, he asked me if he wanted to, like, he just wrote breakfast when I, we were in the same conference um, city, and I thought he was my cat sitter, so I said, for Ruthie, my cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it, I was a little confused. No, but and it, then she wrote, she wrote, sorry, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's awesome <laughs> but yes i i don't think this shocks anybody but the poor person who typed in the wrong uh, email address i i, so, I what happened to him or her apparently apparently there were other people who were on that email chain that all that didn't share the email with us i don't know if they they were afraid that they might be like actually violating a law in doing so but that nope. that person included a bunch of their opposition apparently in that invite hmm. Oops. Yeah, seriously. It gives you a sense of the competence of Cable One. It's about what we expected based on the way their network operates. Um, so, yeah. Well, what's most surprising to me is that an executive would write a nasty email to anybody about anything. That's what phones are for. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's bring on uh, Mr. Mike Dunn from Fiberize. Mike is the Senior Manager of Funding and Regulatory Affairs at FiberRise and uh, someone who uh, is pretty great in person. So let's, let's really test him and, uh, and try to give him a hard time here over the videos. <laughs> Welcome, Mike. Let's not. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. So at a time when we were asking, you know, is Texas really going to apply for this? When Governor Abbott had made a cryptic comment about whether they were going to have to bead money. Um, you know, I was I was there in a room with Mike and I made that comment. And I think within a few hours, Mike te Mike's like, yep, he, they're applying. <laughs> and you had it. So so you have a good relationship with folks in these state offices. You're checking out what's going on. Um, uh, let's just start with uh, where what FiberRise is and, and, and what your role is in terms of keeping track of these state offices. 
All right. Um, I mean, fiber eyes, basically, we're a, uh, as our name implies, we're a fiber optic networking consultant. We do everything from design through engineering construction, and we'll even help a, a, an electric cooperative, let's say, operate a network if they need time to ramp up from an operational capability. Uh, the company actually started not just for broadband, but also for fiber networking on the grid modernization side. So we worked with electric cooperatives, um, municipalities. Uh, we do have one, one project with an I, uh, investor-owned utility, an IOU, but our bread and butter is co-ops and, and munis on the fiber networking side. And uh, recently, in August, we were acquired by Interest Solutions Group, and we're looking forward to getting some additional uh, expertise in the smart grid arena. So we're excited about that. And as for what I do, um, I spend a lot of time reading, <laughs> trying to understand what's going on in the funding universe. Uh, I ran the uh, Ardoff Consortium that we put together uh, under FiberEyes, and that was an education in and of itself. So. So you're the opposite of Travis in some ways. Travis reads all this stuff and says, oh, hell no. And then you look <laughs> at it and you think, I see a path. Uh, so tell us about the path that you see right now with Bede when the rest of, at least the people on this call are looking at it and saying, we're afraid a lot of folks are going to be scared off by uh, some of the requirements and things like that. So, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I don't disagree with some of that. I, I've been spending in the last couple of days actually going through the Department of Energy's funding opportunity announcement for their GRIP program, uh, which has been advertised as a phenomenal opportunity for electric utilities to get into grid resiliency, um, grid modernization, smart grid, innovation, you know, all these things. And as you read through and you get past the nuggets of here's how much money it is, it's this is what you're going to have to do. This is the reporting. These are the obligations. So there is an aspect of that. But obviously from our side, we're looking at ways to help our cooperative and muni clients be successful. And for me, the biggest catch really is the states because this is a new this is a new way of of getting funding on the street right um the the historical gripe has been it's all the feds the feds are telling us what to do they're telling us how much money we can have where we have to spend it and so on so to their credit the feds have now said all right well, we're going to give you the money states and within the umbrella of the guidelines you get to decide what to do with it and that is bringing a whole different set of challenges to the table um, states are ramping up broadband offices all over the country um, you've got uh, national consultants being hired by the states to help them navigate all of this 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think it's added a layer of difficulty that nobody expected. Travis, do you have a question? I'm just curious who's going to go after it. And then what are the, what are the costs, you know, to, to operate this program? Last I heard, you had to have a very large letter of credit. Mm-hmm. We don't know if these funds are taxable or not. I mean, I don't well, know. We I, know I, that they are taxable and we're hoping they won't be in the future. Oh, they are taxable. Oh, oh fabulous. Yeah, okay. we know that. Okay. Yes. So, and then what are all the, uh, what are all the rules? I mean, is the, I assume the Buy American thing still top on there. So, not sure where you're going to get all the parts and pieces at. So I don't know. I'm just always curious who's actually going to go for it. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely still some, some major issues and all of those that you mentioned are still up in the air. Uh, I know there's moves afoot on the buy America waiver. I know. And, and Chris knows, I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's a bill proposed to make this funding non-taxable. Um, there, there are operators out there in these states that want to build a network and, you know, if they can align themselves with the Davis bacon rules, if they can do the, um, I think it's justice 40, uh, compliance, um, if they can do the quarterly reporting, you know, they're going to look at these things and, and some of them are just going to say, you know what, we'll, we're, we're going to deal with all that stuff as it comes up. You know, this is money that we can get right now to, you know, get sustainable high-speed broadband to our communities. So I think there's going to be some of that. I think you're just going to have some operators that are, you know, to coin a phrase, it's going to say, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. And, you know, the states have to give their initial plans and final plans. You know, the the whole bead timeline is very convoluted. And frankly, a reasonable estimate, excuse me, is that nobody's going to have any of this money until 2024 anyway. So we've got some time to figure those things out. So, hey, Doug, are, are your customers having a hard time getting traditional financing, be it senior lending or MES or any kind of, inter, you know? Uh, oh, it, it's, tight, it's tightening up tremendously, yeah. Uh, so I, you, I mean, as soon as the interest rates went above 5 6%, it's getting real ugly out yeah. there. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's getting real tight real fast. The bigger question is, do they even want it at those rates? Now you're taking a chance on taking a high interest rate loan you're making a bet that you can refinance it in three or four years because you cannot afford that rate for the long run. So, but you know, some mm-hmm. of the places you borrow from will make you hold it 10 years first. Well, but that's I interesting. Like, that's I would say ouch. that yes. we can, we can see like, you know, Travis is, I would say that like, my impression is you think that this inflation is here to stay. Um, and if you believe that, then uh, getting the five or 6% while you can, you'd want to rush into that before we're stuck with seven and eight for a longer term, if that's what you really believe. Yeah, but at, at hundred dollar a month internet, you can, you can absorb these interest rates. At, yeah. at current rates, you, you can't. So you have to either shrink your build, which is what we're doing. I don't know what Kim's doing, but you know you shrink your build and you know try to harvest out of your current area, or you look to some of these government programs. I don't know, but does that add more cost, Doug, than it does saves you actually any money? 
I mean, we're, well, we're yeah, you have to you have to do the math because he just mentioned that some of these hurdles, like if it's really taxable and if you really have to pay and you have to pay Dave and Baker's wage, wages and all that stuff, it could yeah. be that that's just as expensive as getting the grant. So it's a case by case, and you got to do the math. The one that we didn't mention that worries me is is that at least half of the places I've looked at need more than a seventy five percent grant. Mm -hmm. And so that puts them into this category that none of the states have told us how it works, which is the high cost places. And, and you know, that those are going to be really hard to make work. This money actually looks pretty attractive if you only need a 40% grant. I, I just looked at a county that only needs 40%. They can, they can make this work. You know, this, this money is more than enough for them to get funded. Um, but if you need if you need an 85 percent grant, this is going to be tough, tough money to get out of here. So. Well, Mike, that's one of the things I'm curious about, because I feel like some of your clients, particularly electric co-ops in the rural areas, I feel like they're going to be in areas where a significant amount of the people they want to connect are going to be high enough that the state will allow for alternate technologies uh, right. where they don't have to only do fiber because the cost is beyond what the state will decide is too much. But the electric co-op will want to use fiber. So uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. Have you game that out at all and try to figure out how, how they will wrestle with that? Uh, we haven't really. Uh, we've looked at some fixed wireless technologies, and we're still on the fence about integrating that into our portfolio. We've got some expertise at the company that that has that background so that's an effort that's underway right now but um you know especially out in west texas you know you've got a lot of really low density co-ops out there I and mean, we've been fortunate uh, to operate in mostly what we call the sec states you know the southeastern conference um, from a sporting perspective and the majority of our clients, their projects cash flow without funding. So that makes my job a little bit easier because if I can get them some funding, I'm like, you know, they smile and pat me on the back. And, you know, if, if I don't, then I'm a bad guy, but their project still works. So. So, Kim, I'm curious if you have any questions. I know uh, Mike also is doing a bunch of public-private partnership type things, and I'm sure you've evaluated similar things. No, I mean, I was just going to say, I'm sure even if you, they don't get the funding, they're still going to pat you on the back because you're get, getting them away to fiber, right, at the end of the day. it's th This money is out there. We know it's out there, but it's almost just finding ways to be creative to, to get it built. I mean, I think what mike is doing is uh i think it's really kind of impressive to look what you guys are doing and and what communities you're working with to get there so i have no questions today chris don't be shocked about that <laughs> <laughs> well i have one more there's also a defensive issue here if you're an electric co-op and you don't go after this money somebody else is going to win it for your service area that's right <clears throat> and that's not at all comfortable i mean even, even if they win it for fixed wireless You've got a building competitor when you could have had it as your own. So it, there's a, it's a real poker game here. I but think, okay, but okay, Doug. This. If you look yep. at the maps, there's not the scale to build out that are underserved or unserved with this money. So they really well, well, you, well not well not the map that got published. <laughs> well, you can. I mean, so I mean, <laughs> let me let me give Mike a chance well, to respond to. Let me give Mike a chance to respond to that. But then I'm gonna come back to what we know about the number of unserved locations based on uh, some data crunching that Mike Conlow did. We'll talk about that in a sec. 
Well, I, I think that, you know, from my perspective on that question is, you know, that was a huge issue in RDOF. Right. You know, when we were running our RDOF consortium, you know, we saw through the bidding results that a lot of your, you know, what I would call tier one and tier two carriers were bidding strictly for defense. And it was absolutely part of the strategy we used with our consortium. It's like, you know, we had an electric cooperative that had a lot of unserved or underserved areas. And we, we just told them, if you don't bid, somebody else is gonna, you know? So now achieving your take rate is gonna be even harder because you're gonna be actively competing against more people. And I think RDOF in general, uh, the term I used the other day kind of woke the bear. Um, we, we did see Charter and a couple other folks in RDOF, but from what we're seeing at the state level, you know, Charter, Comcast, these guys, they're coming hard for this money. And yeah. that's another decision that, you know, co-ops, munis, et cetera, are going to have to make. It's like, are we ready to stand up and go toe-to-toe with these guys? Right. The um, the data, based on, you know, what Kim had just said, um, I feel like particularly when talking about the SEC states, you know, talking about, like, basically Arkansas and southeast of there, um, you know, you're looking at, like, um, according to Mike Conlow's, he looked at the data where you, you, you ignore all the blue stuff, Travis, that was from uh, fixed wireless that is unlicensed, and you ignore all the, all the satellite stuff. And you come up with, you know, in Arkansas, you're looking at um, uh, 20% of the locations uh, don't have uh, 25 by 3, um, 20% in Mississippi, you know, like in the teens and some of these other states. Um, and this is based on a, probably a subset of the locations, right? Because like in some of these areas, you might have 20% more locations than are on the map. So, you know, there's substantial areas in here because this isn't like, you know, um, Iowa, where we have a lot of local companies that have made investments. This is AT&T territory. It's, 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 it's a greenfield because AT&T never bothered investing anywhere near there. So it's a different business case, I think, in some of these places. Well, let's put your 20% into perspective. The county seat has a cable company and nobody in the rural area has it. That's how you get to 20%. The actual map looks really bad for rural folks, unless they happen to have co-ops or, or, or independent telephone companies who have built. Otherwise, I work for counties. There's only the cable company and none of the rest of the county so, has any good property. Let me so. put this to Mike then. So Mike, my based on what Doug just said, I would agree with him, but I would say it's actually a good story. Like, the, the county seat will pay for itself and help the overall density. You probably pull 70% take rate in there because that cable company sucks. It's a cable one type company generally. And you can build that as part of your build plan without a subsidy. And, and then you get some subsidy for the rest of the area. And it's hard work, but it'll work. I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, the, the cooperatives are generally outside those areas and they're going to want to build in their own membership territory first. But, you know, we've had several that have, you know, been successful with initial builds and they meet with the boards and the boards say, you know what, this is, this is kind of a cool thing. We should, we should look at branching out a little bit. 
and and some of them are doing it and they're being successful and this is where i'm my intervention has been to work with some of these counties to say look i'm not asking you to build your own network by i understand you have major challenges and and that would be uh, perhaps a bridge too far but when it comes down to it the federal the state government might be having to choose between a local electric co-op that you have a good relationship with and a company like at&t or charter and if you and first of all, you need to tell the state that they have to give you a chance to put the th your thumb on the scale for which one you prefer. And then you need to make sure that you actually weigh in on that one. And so that we you have a fighting shot of making sure that money is well spent. That, I think, is the best we can do under this environment. I don't know if anyone thinks that's a, you know, if there's a better strategy than that. It's the only strategy. Mm hmm. So, uh, tra um, you got to say something we're going to disagree with. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you were so angry at the beginning of this show, and now you're all calm and like peaceful. We don't know how to handle this. I mean, I can't be a rage monkey 100% of the time. I mean, I'll try and work myself back up here at the end. All right. Can I, can I ask a question, though? How realistic is the ongoing viability of these networks that get funded? If, you, if you're going to have this Swiss cheese, of areas that have historically not been served and you're not able to get into the county seed where, you know, most you are able to get in, you, you, you would, yeah, but, but you're not able to use any of this money. You're only able to use this money to, to go out in. So you're going to end up with a Swiss cheese network uh, that isn't contiguous. How, how viable is it is for these networks to survive? They're pretty viable. <clears throat> the question is getting the money up front and paying for the interest. The actual, revenues on the network will more than cover the operating costs. It's the matter of covering this upfront debt. You think so? You're going to get, get 80, 90% penetration rates eventually. Understood that. But what, what, yeah. um, what, what's your, what's your financial burden? Are you 50% of the cost? 60% of the oh, cost? Right now, since interest rates went from three and, and doubled and made my triple interest rates will kill you. Even if well, you Mike, put how in do a, you, you 20% matching the interest rate will kill you. So, Say again. How do you react to that, Mike? Well, you know, historically, we're seeing our co-ops be successful. And, and that's having a solid plan. And I guess you could say, you know, we cherry pick a little bit. I mean, our preference is to work with co-ops and munis whose projects cash flow. And that's on a very conservative take rate of maybe 40%. But we're seeing. I don't know why your but your audio just cut out, Mike. Mm -mm. I hear him. It's you. I hear him. I hear him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or was it me? It's yes, you. We lost the host of the show. We're going all right, to Travis. You're in charge. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, Mike. So we're going to raise. So let's say let's Continue, say we're going to set up Mike Broadband, right? And yeah. We're going to do it in some unserved rural community. And mm -hmm. let's say our project cost is ten million dollars. I don't know. Just making up a number. What okay. percentage of that are we going to be able to get from bead? What percentage of that do we have to get from traditional lenders? And is the bead dollars forgiven? So we only have interest and operating expense on the, the remaining portion. How does it all work? You know, is what I'm curious about. So, you know, in, in the co-op world, most of them leverage their existing assets and go through co-bank or one of the other, uh, rural funders and you know they just get whatever money they need and then they amortize that over you know the life of the project so 
you know, you, you could say, you know, three to five years, they're cash flow positive and, mm -hmm. and that's with no funding. So the boards are looking at that and looking at the long view and, and that, that to me is kind of one of the positives of the rural co-op market because they don't look at it from the standpoint of, well, gosh, you know, we're not going to cash flow until year five. That's terrible. Well, who, who's liable for the debt in that model? The co-op, typically. Co the co-op and the co-op <laughs> is owned by the taxpayers or owned by well, the members. customers. It's a, no, it's customers. a membership cooperative. So, okay. you know, it's, and so everybody's in it's, it's, you know, none of that stuff happens in a vacuum. It's all voted on by the membership and the board and okay. you know, everybody's got to be on, on, you know, they, they see the feasibility studies, they see the business model, they see, you know, and they can sit and ask questions. Well, what happens if we don't get 40%? You know, you know, you know what, what really makes me angry, though? You angry? <laughs> what? I <laughs> just wanted to get a, um, in that direction. No, so I do think that it's important to understand, and Mike, I, I hope you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Same with Kim. The thing about the municipalities and the co-ops doing this is, Travis, you're asking about, like, cash flow and that sort of a thing. And, like, these entities are basically like, we need to do this for reasons aside from making money, right? Like for them, if it throws off any cash after five or 10 years, hey, that's great. But fundamentally, like an electric co-op looks at this and they say, as long as this thing doesn't lose money, it's going to increase our electrical sales. And that's what matters, right? Is that making sure that we're not losing electrical demand in our territories, because that is an existential crisis for the co-op because electricity and the electric system costs real money to make that the fiber system doesn't cost to make or operate. Like electricity costs real dollars as a system compared to fiber. And it's the same thing with cities where they're like, as long as we can like not lose money at this thing, we can, we need it for like bringing in jobs and improving property values. And that's what matters to us. They're and it's just it a different conversation. We're trying to make that work. So go ahead, Kim, you're going to make me yeah. what I said sound better. I think. No, they're doing it for a community benefit. This is not for a money-making scheme. Um, this is for, they're doing it not because they want to get into the broadband business, not because they want to do this. It's because it's good for their, their residents. It's good for their businesses. It's good for their, as they were getting into the smart city applications and the smart home stuff, like Mike mentioned before, it, it is putting them in a place to be really ready for the, how, what the digital economy is going to be in the next hundred years. That's what they're doing it for. And what, and what percentage of these areas are covered by co-ops? Any sense in the U S is it pretty small or half of the U S uh, by um, geography uh, more than like between a half and two thirds of the United States of the 48 States by geography, okay. but on the order of like, I want to say like 10% of the population, something like that. Okay, so a pretty good chunk then, right? But not, yeah, but it's not like all, all the, the space and some of the people. Not all the co-ops are interested in doing broadband, so it's not everybody. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's there's <clears> about <throat> 900 co-ops, and I think 200 yeah. or so are in, in the game right now. But like Kim said, you know, honestly, from our perspective, based on how we approach this, a lot of times we're sitting down with a co-op and we're talking to them about how to make their electric grid more efficient. So we're running a fiber network so that the electric gear grid doesn't cost as much for them to run. And 
oh, by the way, <laughs> now that you have this fiber network, guess what? You can do fiber to the home. So even if the co-op doesn't want to get into broadband immediately, they have the option down the road because, you know, now they've, they've put in the fiber network to manage their grid better and, and all of that. So right. now, Travis, one of the keys was... in those areas with those co-ops. That, yeah. yeah, they can't do it with if they're efficient with their resources, because I'm assuming I don't know a lot of co-ops, but it is that they don't have an unlimited <laughs> amount of resources. So if they make that efficiency on the electrical side, it just makes a really good sense. It's it's the yeah. same as cities putting a ring in um, a fiber ring in for all of their anchor institutions and then building out a fiber um, to the home project later on years down the road. The same concept. Yeah. And just, you know, on top of that is is we're doing grant applications like we work with the Appalachian Regional Commission so a lot of that is economic development focused so we're looking at you know not only how many residents do you keep in the community because now you have you know superior broadband and they can work remotely you know they've gone off to college and rather than stay somewhere else mm -hmm. they want to come home they like they like home but Obviously, people like jobs, too. So, you know, having that broadband, you know, increases their economic traction that way. But, you know, I use Alabama as an example because that's where I am these days. You know, there's massive numbers of, you know, we've got Hyundai, we've got Toyota, we've got Mazda, we've got Mercedes, we've got, you know, and sure, there's tax incentives and all those other things, but we see that throughout the southeast companies want to locate there because of the low cost and the you know positive tax environment but they're not going to do it if they can't get 10 gig connections or what hey, hey, you. mike you need to say that louder because chris doesn't always hear that the positive <laughs> tax that are there i wasn't yeah. listening no nope, yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah we really need to reinforce that so his 10 headphones broke again his headphones broke again we lost yeah, him. Yeah. we can't hear anything this is the best episode ever 58 <laughs> all right well done mike thank you yeah uh, i'm here all week yeah yeah <laughs> why, why don't you tell us about your hat yeah. <laughs> yeah my hat this is my rocket city trash pandas uh, hat. We're a, a farm team, I think, for the Angels. Uh, speaking of Toyota, we we play at Toyota Field here in Huntsville. And uh, gosh darn it, I think we won the league last season. How about that? Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of uh, of uh, talk when that name was chosen. I think all over the internet, um, there was some Reddit uh, efforts to to <laughs> lean in that direction. Um, yeah. One last topic while you're here, Mike, feel free to join in, but I want to talk about the broadband labels. Um, what, uh, does anyone have any reactions to that? Uh, the FCC order is out. Travis has read 110% of it and says there's more that he hasn't finished reading yet. Oh, I mean, I, I love it. It's only 85 pages to figure out what to do here. So, Well, my, my comment on that, and I, I haven't really studied the label. I see the announcements and everything, but will the for-profit providers, I'll just use that term, uh, meaning the, the MSO, MSOs and all those guys, will they be allowed to use their advertised speeds on the labels? And if so, will that really change anything? 
Well, there's a big question between being allowed and what they're just going to do, and, and FCC will have to try to stop them. They're going to—they are not going to spill any beans unless they get brought to court. So, yeah. well, I think the cable companies largely <laughs> do deliver. I mean, I think a lot of the speed tests suggest that the cable companies uh, are delivering their advertised speed. It's been the the DSL and the fixed wireless where I think it's been a bit more very. They're more prone to congestion that's difficult to check, but. Uh, I've been running speed tests and um, uh, on an application that does them every hour and in a couple locations and the, the cable company doesn't hit it all the time, but like a lot of the time they're pretty close. Uh, and then uh, uh, Travis's network pretty much always hits it. Like the average is very close to the advertising. Hey, what do you mean? Pretty much. I mean, it's no. usually in the nine fifties, but you know, your tests are flawed. Where's it going to? Yeah. Now, Chris, when you get out of the metro areas, though, and you get to the cable companies in the county seats, they are not hitting their marks. So. No, that's a good point. I mean, so, yeah, the those those cable companies that either haven't upgraded or or they still have a lot of I assume it's just a lot of stuff in the field that's um, intermittently fails um, is where we're having those issues. Right. right. I yeah. think we need to um, commend uh, Ruben in the comments that he's actually saying Charter was honest. Well, and Charter also does not have, uh, I believe, uh, up bandwidth caps. And one of the things I found is I'm doing so many speed tests to keep a sense of what it looks like all hours of the day that I'm uh, going to blow through my Comcast cap here pretty quick. And uh, that kind of sucks. They're going to have caps in 2024. They were prohibited to have them until then by an FCC agreement. So they're, they're chomping at the bit to have them. They will have them nationwide 2024. So, Thanks. That's a good point. I have a question for everybody. Are we ever going to get an FCC commissioner? Yeah. Wait a minute. I mean, There's got to be another bet here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got a great shot to get uh, to get Gigi Sone confirmed now, and I think that will be good. Um, uh, what I'm hearing is is that, you know, I think um, uh, there's some Republicans that uh, may very well vote for her, even if we can't get the last um democrat but i'm i'm hoping that uh we will see it in december not january but i think um Gigi will be our next fcc commissioner chris is making his call chris is making the call i can't so wait. yeah let me, so let's put it this way i will bet i will oh, bet what what, what? Hang, on, hang on i hang on <laughs> i will bet travis that by the end of february which is the time in which the FCC will have had to change the broadband definition or I will lose the bet a second time or double or nothing. It's like March 2nd or something like that. By that time, March 2nd or whatever day that is around then, Gigi Sohn will be the fifth commissioner on the FCC. She will have been confirmed. Uh, of what year? Of 2023. <laughs> oh, I'll take that all day. All, all right. right. Because I'm already going to win the speed. We're going to go triple or nothing on the speed definition, right? Hell, let's just do eight or nothing by You're now. You're just calling your shot, and you still and Chris still has like four months to get there. Well, you know, Chris has gone a little AFK this year. And for those of you that don't play video games, away from the keyboard. He hasn't been around ever since he's the chicken wings are coming my way. No, Chris. So no, know. we did the chicken wings one time, and while we did it, one. you agreed. You agreed that we were going double or nothing because it, Travis. It's, you have to know this about Travis. It physically pains him for me to buy something that for him. 
He works uh, for a nonprofit, and I've been told all my life that nonprofits, you know, they're all poor nonprofit. You know, yeah, no, you can pay from now on, sir. And then I show up in my Maserati, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty rich nonprofit you're running there, son. So, so that's my bet. And I, I, I Travis, I think uh, if I lose, then I will consent to have you uh, drive me across the country to an MLS stadium where we'll watch a game and we'll visit fiber networks on no, the way. No, no, no. no. <laughs> anything other than soccer. I did that yesterday with that U.S. Oh, never again. Never again. I don't believe you drive a Maserati. If you're if you're a true nonprofit guy, you've got to have a Tesla in the garage. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> No, I'm going on vacation with my wife and you cannot get a, an electric car really easily up here. And um, when we're down in the Arizona area, I plan to test drive one. And if we're able to line it up, I think I will actually drive our existing vehicle down to an event in Phoenix at the end of January and switch the car, sell that car, buy a new car and drive that one home um, just to finally get that, uh, you know, I got to say that nothing about the last week has made me has made me like Qatar more or want to buy more oil. That is for sure. <laughs> so. so hold on. You're going to buy an electric car and drive it home? No, no, no. This would be a, a plug-in hybrid. It would be the only way to make that work. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Well, no, you can sit for two hours at the supercharger every three hours. So it's a lot of fun. Right. I did yep. that one time. Never again. Yep. Mm. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. So. Last last item, and if anyone has to go, um, you know, Mike, I know we've had you on a little bit longer, but um, uh, well, the last topic was just, it's something we talked about a little bit. It's the uh, coming end of the fiber boom. Um, you know, we have a bunch of these companies, whether it's AT&T or Lumen or whether it is Metronet or others, and they've talked about making these massive investments to expand their fiber holdings. Uh, they are making significant investments, but I think some of the analysts now think that with the increase in the cost of debt, uh, that they will be falling short by a million locations or two. And uh, the question is, is what should we be expecting in the near future in terms of, of all of this fiber investment? And uh, despite the fact the federal government's going to be putting money out for the rural areas, uh, what are you forecasting in terms of uh, that sort of big private sector, private equity driven fiber network investment? Don't everyone speak at once. Oh, I well, thought from, you asked Mike first. Well, from my perspective, um, you know, a, again, we're, we play both sides of the fence. So, you know, it's not a pure broadband thing. If, uh, you know, I think for us, fiber has legs because of all the grid modernization and everything else that's going on. So from, you know, a commodity perspective, I think fiber's, another decade or two from, you know, going into maintenance mode. Yeah. So you see a lot of investment for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my, my take is that the really big guys are not using debt to finance this. So this has always been an equity play. This hasn't changed their story. Uh, now you get to the middle size guys and very much might be a debt issue. So I, I don't really know where people like Frontier and Windstream are going to get the money from. But the bigger guys, they're just, it's pure equity anyway. So, Kim? I'm saying there's not going to be a slowdown. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm, I'm going to take that shot. I feel like I might win a bet, unlike you, Chris. So I'm going to go for this shot. <laughs> there's no fun in that. Uh, Travis, <laughs> Travis, you, if I understand correctly, more or less, you take 
all of the money that you make each year, as well as what you can raise to, to build as fast as you can the next year. And are you going to be building less because of that high interest rate, just out of a sheer like number effect from the amount of money you can get? Yeah, probably about 30% less per year, but we'll still do it every year. I mean, I think what you're going to see is the big guys will continue on the medium size guys who, you know, are, they'll, they'll probably slow down. I would say companies our size will reduce, but anyone smaller than us is going to get, get stopped dead in their tracks. Right. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of new people come in. So I think like uh, with, with all this federal dollars, it'll be the incumbents. I guess I never considered co-ops the incumbents, but I guess they could be because they already have an established footprint. They'll continue on, but you're not going to see Mitchell Internet starting up from scratch. It's just, it's just too expensive right now. Well, that's, yeah, that's yeah, where you'll get me, Travis. I'll yeah. finally say yes when it's too hard to do. Yeah. And, and multiples <laughs> are down. Multiples are down. You know, uh, yeah. Enterprise values are down on fiber networks right now. Yeah, yeah, there won't there won't be any big startups for a while. No, we should have sold yours, Travis, right when it was at at its high over yeah. the summer. What would he do? What would he do? Play pinball? All day? Yeah, all day. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. I, you know, yeah, you have to finance my retirement too to have someone to hang out with. Well, and always remember that there's not any real big other than a few of the major metropolitan areas. There's there's still a ton of opportunity in this country. Yeah. So even even if all the rural gets done. And all the tier three cities get done. I mean, you you could spend an entire lifetime building out LA if you wanted to. And there's a ton of opportunity there to just battle the incumbent. Well, that goes back to Chris's number. The, all the rurals, 10% of the people. All everyone else lives in the cities. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of fiber to be built. So lot, lot, lot. Now, unless you think 13G, which we've always said is is the real big G that's the problem. 13G is a real issue for fiber builders. And, you know, as far as the uh, toaster goes, that's a 17G, Chris. So, you know, I think we're good right now with our little 5G project. At that point, Travis, I got invited to a webinar for 7G already. Did you? Well, here's what's so hilarious about Wi-Fi now. So there's Wi-Fi 7, which is, uh, you know, in the 6 gigahertz spectrum. But they're not calling it that anymore. They're calling it 7G. (laughs) <laughs> to, to try to make to try to I make did. it sound fancy so i think i'm gonna do that too forget 5g go with 7g kim there's gotta I be mean, some good marketing D- yeah that. doug it, it, when you get invited to a uh like a 8g conference yeah when they can put it in the glasses just let me know i'll be yeah yeah, yeah 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 no no i think well, you're the, the only one with big enough glasses to make it work though. <laughs> the, the challenge the challenge is that as we get here the chips are going to be so small we'll deal with quantum effects and we'll be arguing about whether the chip is actually in the toaster or not. It'll just be, you know, it'll be like a Schrodinger's chip kind of situation is in it a toaster. The chip or is it the toaster? Huh? I believe I believe they'll just put the chip in us, and then all of our devices will work. That's that's my theory. So. This has been fun. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mike. Hey, my we, pleasure. We Thanks for having me. Some invaluable stuff here, Mike. Thank you. Low tax states attract business that have high quality broadband. Who would have thunk it, Chris? Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and and I think that uh, one of the things we see sometimes is that people that move to those states then move back to states like Minnesota, where they have uh, uh, they get more government services and things work a little bit better. We're we're looking at a thirteen billion dollar surplus right now in Minnesota because, despite being comparatively high tax, uh, our economy is uh, crushing the low tax states around us. So 
You know, there's uh-huh. it's a it's a mix. I'm not I'm not going to say there's no price to pay for having higher taxes, but I feel like uh, it's a complicated situation uh, that results. I didn't think we would ever get out of this without an economics peak. Thank you. Yeah, we needed yeah. that. Yes. 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 And, and Gary makes a good point. Supply chain is still there. Yep. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to, I still don't understand this. Like I, I have yet to run into a person who's like, we had to like stop this project or slow it down significantly because of supply chain. And, and I don't know if we're looking in the wrong places, but as we go to some of these conferences in uh, the next year, I want to, I want to get a sense of this as we talk to people, like, like, I feel like everyone keeps saying we're finding a way to muddle through as opposed to saying, yeah, we have to, we had to stop working. Kim, are you having any problems getting bits and bobs? I think it's still slow. I mean, but I agree with Chris, it hasn't stopped us, but you also have to be creative and you have to be strategic of how you're getting your supplies and you can't wait till the last minute to order something you need in two weeks to get an expected yeah. it. That's the big thing. You just yeah. got to be a lot more organized now than yeah. you used to be. Order a year in advance, you'll get it. Yeah. Well, I think from our perspective, you know, for, to Travis's point, you know, we've, we've been very proactive about getting this supply chain in place so that, you know, otherwise, I mean, how do you go sign up a new customer for a new build and you can't help them get fiber and material and the labor that goes, can't put the fiber on the pole or in the ground without somebody to do it. So we're, uh, we're doing all right in that respect. You know, we're not seeing any slowdowns at this point. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. We're going to try and pull off another show. We'll compare some calendars here. Uh, I do think that I'm going to propose that we do a show that's going to be a big year-end blowout extravaganza the week of December 12th. So um, I don't know if we'll get in a show before then or not, but we will have one big show before the end of the year. And um, uh should be a good one. If you have ideas for it, feel free to send us notes and tell us what we should be doing. Get Gigi Sun on here so we can ask her if she's going to be the next commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I don't know that she's going to accept that invitation, oh, God, but you on. know, this is a pretty famous thing. Or I think you can do it. Come on, Chris. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll say that that Gigi would be a heck of a guest because she does she not would. dodge questions. She's, she does uh, not. She does not. Chris, yeah. just drop Kim's name. It'll happen. So that's all you yeah. got to do. And hey, can we do one of those predictions for next year? I like when you make those big wild thoughts that don't come true. So <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, no, I think we should. It just requires some some time, and uh, I think we gotta. We'll try and work on that. So uh, appreciate everyone coming out. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Happy yes, to be here. You. Good to see thank everybody. And uh, we will talk to you all again before the end of the year, before Santa comes down our chimneys. And I uh, hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving with family. This has been another fun episode of Connect This. Mm-hmm.